Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here today. So, uh, so great. I feel like we've already... We've already had such an amazing time already this morning, the baptism, the worship, and Remembrance Day. What an amazing uh, day. What you just saw, that video, uh, were some video clips and images from last Sunday. And I promise I'm not going to be talking about Stretch for the next two years, uh, but for the next couple of weeks I have to refer to it because many people were away. And uh, so over the past four weeks we've been preaching through this Stretch series as we began a two-year giving and faith initiative as a church where we want to increase the level of our generosity and giving uh, in part because we want to be more generous, but also because we want to set aside resources for a future home for our church as our church continues to grow and expand our needs for ministry spaces and children's spaces and space through the week continues to grow. And so we are taking a step of faith as a church and and beginning that process to prepare for what we know God already has uh, ahead of us. And so for those who haven't been around, let me just spend two or three minutes just sharing with you uh, what we're doing and and how we're interacting. Again, if you weren't part of the service last week and you want to be part of this campaign, you're going to have an opportunity before you leave today. We have our goal here. Um, the, The red graph on the left is our current giving levels. So what comes in financially, and this church is entirely supported by free will gifts by people who believe in what we're doing and who feel like God is leading them to be part of it. And so over the next two years, that's kind of what we'd expect to see come in. The, the, the chart on the right is our stretch goal. And we want to get to $1.75 million of all-in giving over two years. And that will allow us to set aside the resources we need to take a step towards a space. And so that's the goal that we have in front of us. And it is a goal and it is a stretch. Uh, the tool that we've been using are these stretch cards. Um, again, last week we had these on every seat. And people responded, and I just got to say, I was so overwhelmed by the response of our church. Uh, it, was, it was phenomenal. And not everyone that, that calls Pathway Home was here, but we had over 80% of our regular donors commit in the first Sunday, and more cards are still coming in. So the level of commitment and buy-in to this whole process has just absolutely blown me away. And, uh, and over this week, the, the numbers were coming in on the cards, and, and you're all probably wondering what that is, but you're not going to hear for another three weeks what that is. Uh, but the numbers are still coming in, and the cards are still coming in. But I, just for me as a pastor and as a leader here in this church, I was just so moved by the faith of our people. I saw kids and teenagers and families stretching their faith um, to help us move this mission forward, and I was absolutely just blown away. Just, it's not about the dollar amounts, and it's not even about the goal we're trying to reach, although that's super important. It's the, it's the heart work that our church is doing, and so as a pastor, I just felt so proud of our church, and I think as, as much as a- accomplishing the goal is going to be super significant for us, the faith that it takes and, and people stepping out in generosity is going to benefit us and those that follow us uh, for, for many, many years to come. So that, that's just absolutely amazing. And so if, if you weren't here last week and you wanted to participate, these cards, these brochures with all kinds of information, all of it is at the back. Uh, and those that filled out a commitment card to give over the next couple of years, whatever that number is, uh, we had these little horseshoe nails with name tags. And what we wanted the people to do who are participating in, in committing to this campaign is to put their family name or their name on these uh, with a Sharpie on this little tag and to drive this miniature tent peg into our art piece, which is at the back. So you saw images of people doing that. Um, that art piece is going to be turned into a string art. So we're going to have all these cords tied to these stakes and uh, with all the names of the families and individuals who are supporting this. And one day it's going to hang in the lobby 
as a reminder of, of this moment and this season in time. And so uh, if you want to participate, you can head over there after service and do a card and, and do the nail and all of that stuff. So we didn't want anyone to miss out. So uh, that's what's going on today. Um, lots of follow-up this week for me. And so we had planned to show a video message, which we're going to do in just a moment. Um, you're going to hear a message in just a moment from Andy Stanley. Um, Pathway Church is a, is a network partner with Andy Stanley's ministry and the North Point uh, group of churches. And so with that, we can share resources and we share some strategies and things like that. Uh, but what you're going to hear from Andy is really less of a sermon and more about his heart and his love for the local church, something that I definitely share. Uh, many people in this room grew up in a local church, went to Sunday school classes, had people investing in them. Um, others, maybe you didn't. But there are great advantages, and he's going to talk about the church, not just like the spiritual idea of Jesus' church, which he'll reference, but actually what it means to be part of a community of people who are following Jesus, the benefits. And honestly, um, a lot of us adults, we could listen to a sermon at home and feel like we kind of did church and we're, we're kind of feeding ourselves and this is all good, but there is a massive advantage for family ministry. Our kids and our teens are not going to hear about Jesus and have people investing in them outside of the local church in very many places. And so we just believe that's such a value for us. And so we're excited about what's happening in our ministries to children and teens and adults, and we want to see that increase. So without further ado, I'll pass it over to Andy. The reason I'm so committed to the local church and the reason I want to continue building new local churches and the reason I want to continue to spread the influence of the local church all over the country and all over the world is because the church, this is personal for me, the church saved my life. The church saved my life. It didn't save my life because, you know, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, and I was in some kind of trouble, and the church rescued me, or someone from the church came and, you know, got me out of a difficult situation. When I say the church saved my life, and many of you would say this is your story as well, you just haven't thought about it in these terms. I say the church saved my life because of what it prevented in my life. Now, I'm tempted to say I can't imagine where I would be without the influence of the local church, but that's not true. I can imagine exactly where I would be if it weren't for the influence of the local church because I know the me me. See, you know the stage me with a microphone on me, but I know the me me. And before I was a pastor, I was a man. And before I was a pastor, I was a middle school boy. And before I was a pastor, I was a high school boy. And before I was a pastor, I was a college student. And before I was a pastor, I was a single young man. And if I would imagine what would happen if instantly all of the influence of the local church, all of the Sunday school classes, all of those camps, all of those verses they made me memorize, all of that flannel graph, all of that artwork I took home and my parents said, that's beautiful and threw away. If, if I took all of that stuff, all of that influence of the local church, because I grew up and go into a local church. If I took all of the influence of the local church and you suddenly pulled that out of my life and out of my history and out of my memory banks, I know what a mess I would be because I know the me, me. I can imagine where I would be. So when I think about the local church, the local church saved my life because the local church prevented me from a whole lot of things that I know I would have gotten into because I'm as normal as normal can be. This weekend, six of our Atlanta area churches hosted, in, hosted events with over 4,500 middle schoolers. Middle schoolers, 4,500 middle schoolers. So all weekend long, I'm getting all the social media, 4,000, over 4,500, over 1,000 leaders, over 1,400 and something pizzas, okay? 300 plus host homes. This is an event, get this, this is an event that middle schoolers have to sign up for 
pay for and get brought to. And we had over 4,500, 4,500 middle schoolers at this event. Now, here's why I'm bringing it up. Because as I looked at the social media, as I looked at the pictures all weekend long, I could not help but see middle school Andy and middle school Louis Giglio, because we grew up together, middle school and high school. And here's what I thought, honestly. I thought, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I only pray that their involvement in our local churches will do for them what my involvement in a local church did for me, because it saved me from so many things. It saved me from having a more complicated story. It saved me from stories that I wouldn't want anyone else to find out. It saved me from who knows what I would have done And when I look at those thousands of kids and when I think of the influence that we have in local church, not just for adults, but for the next generation, and I think about how I benefited from growing up in a local church, like many of you did as well, I just can't say thank you enough to you. And I can't be grateful enough for the local church. And I'm more committed than ever for us to continue to build strong, extraordinary local churches all over our city and all over our country because the local church saves people, not just heaven one day when we die. That's just part of it. That's the part we, don't even, we can only dream of and imagine of. It's much, more, it's much richer than that. It's deeper than that. It's far more practical. Than that. So as I was thinking about opening up Woodstock City Church and I was thinking about all the things that we're doing around the, the city and around the country, I began thinking about the specific ways that the local church changed my life. And here's what the church did for me. You know what the church did for me? Many of you would say, this is your story as well. Again, I'm just putting words to your story. The, the local church informed my conscience. I learned in the local church that I was never to mistreat anyone. That's where I learned that. And it was reinforced over and over and over. It was in the local church that I was taught that I was to view young ladies as my sister and not objects of lust. I learned in the local church that I was accountable. This is amazing. I was accountable to my heavenly father for how I treated everyone. I learned in the local church that you don't really get by with sin, that every single sin has a pleasure and a payment. And the pleasure is this long and the payment can last a lifetime. That's what I learned in the local church. I learned in the local church that I was to forgive. I learned in the local church that I was to confess. I learned through the local church that I was to make restitution for my sins. It was in the local church that I was taught and that I saw illustrated and heard stories of adults who you know, had just war stories about how they held on to bitterness and anger. It was in the local church that I learned that to hang on to resentment and to hang on to bitterness and to hang on to hurt, you've heard this before, is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. My whole life, every every time I got hurt and every time I got angry, I remembered, I have to let this go. I have to let this go. I cannot imagine where I would be today if I hadn't been taught that. I can't imagine where I would be if I hadn't learned to confess my sins, not just, just to invisible God, but to other people. I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't learned that you make restitution. When you take something from someone else, you don't just say to God, I'm sorry and do better next time. You make restitution. I could go on and on and on and on. That the local church shaped, shaped my conscience. I am so, so, so grateful for this because if this had not been a part of my growing up again, I can't imagine, I know exactly where I would be. Now, here's how some of you process this. Every once in a while, you sit through a message or a sermon and you think, oh, I wish I'd heard that when I was 18. I heard it when I was 18. You think, oh, I wish I'd heard that when I was 16. I heard it when I was 16. I wish I'd heard that before I got married. 
I heard it before I got married. I'm telling you, the local church prevented so much junk in my life. I'm so extraordinarily grateful. That's why, that's why there is no pastor in America that is more committed to the next generation, more committed than to creating extraordinary environments for our kids. Because I know it's not simply what they are learning. I know it's what we through the local church are preventing. And that's why having one is not enough and having two is not enough. And for the rest of our lives together, we're gonna strengthen and we're gonna pour in to the local church. It changed my life. Some of you say, you know what? I never thought about it that way. That's exactly why I'm where I am today. It's exactly why I see the world the way I see it today. The other thing the local church did for me is it instilled in me a sense of purpose. Because I was taught as a young age, just like we teach your kids at a young age and just like we wanna teach this next generation at a young age, that God has a plan for your life, that God has a purpose for your life, that there is is something beyond this life. You were created on purpose, for a purpose. It was in the local church that I was taught every single day to pray this, God, show me your plan for my life. Show me your plan for my life. Where do you want me to go to college? I mean, I know what my parents say. I know what my GPA says. I know what my teachers say. I know what the test is, but God, it's bigger than that. Where do you want me to go to school? Who do you want me to date? What do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with my life? Early on, I was taught that instilled in me through the local church, there's a purpose, there's a sense of destiny. I'm telling you, I am so, so, so grateful for that. And consequently, because this church does that for this generation, I have had a partner as a parent to instill in the lives of my children, my three kids, God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. Every day matters. Every decision you make matters. Every decision you make connects to the other decisions of your life. Your past will one day be your present and your present and your past impact your future. All of these ideas, all of these principles, all of these connect the dot things were instilled in me at a young age. I am so extraordinarily grateful. And again, You hear stuff like that and you think, wow, I wish I had grown up in a church like that. Well, you're helping us create churches like that. Wow, I wish I'd learned that in church. Well, you're in a church that's gonna help us create churches where the next generation grows up hearing those very things. I'm so extremely grateful. And the other thing, and this isn't true of everybody, but it's true of me. My local church, growing up in church, provided for me uh, the context for lifelong friendships. I met who was forever and ever and still my very, very closest friend, Louis Giglio, in the sixth grade under a bunk bed at camp. That's where we met. That I was, I was, my dad was a pastor and I was too young to go to the high school camp because I was a rising seventh grader and Louis was a rising seventh grader, but his older sister went for some reason, they signed him up for camp and we got there and there was no place for us to be because there was just you know cabins for eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th. And here we were, these rising seventh graders. So they put us in with the seniors. We were this tall, you know, and they were this tall. So it's all the senior in high schools and me and Louis Giglio. And literally there was this big shaving cream, you know, egg battle between the juniors and seniors and we had no place to hide. So we got under the bunk beds and that's where we met. And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> if it hadn't been for the local church, we would never, we probably would. In fact, if it hadn't been for the local church, we would have never met. I went to, you know, I went to school in one county. He was in school in another county. And so, and that's just the beginning. Rick Holiday, he oversees all the business side and all the, the, the sort of the non-ministry side of our entire organization. We met early on in college, became, began, became you know, friends, were roommates and have been friends ever since. The church for me has provided some of my lifelong friendships. And you know what's fabulous? The church has done the same thing for my kids. My kids' best friends right now, most of my kids' best friends were friends they met at church 
and at school, but mostly at church. And the kids that they went to church and school with, they are their dear friends all the way through high school and college. And for many of your kids, this is, the same, this, is the true, this is true as well. For me, some of my closest adult friends are adults that I've met, not in rows, but in circles. Because we say circles are better than rows because in circles you have actual community. And it's been in community and community groups that Sandra and I have made some lifelong friends. That would not have happened for me. That would not have happened for us as a couple, apart from the local church. The other thing the church did for me that it did for some of you is it was the church that gave me a window, window into God's activity in the world. You see, we all grow up in our little bubble. Whatever community you're in, you know, you know where your daddy works, your mama works, you know where you go to school, you know where you go to high school, you know a few neighbors, and that's kind of all you know. Maybe you go to camp, but your world isn't any bigger than your little world. The local church as a kid and as a teenager, as a college student, exposed me to the fact that God is as big as the world, that God is active all over the world, that it's not just about me and the whole world doesn't look like my world, that the world is very, very big in different place. And all over the world, there are people worshiping Jesus, that the local church is a big, big international deal. And here's what we discovered. If you've, you, you know this, if you've traveled, if you've been on one of our trips or any kind of global X trip or any mission trip, you discover that people with less stuff have more faith and more joy. And as a teenager, this, was, this rocked my world. How can they be so happy? How can they have so much confidence in God when they have so little, they have so few things? Again, it just blew me up as a person and reminded me that the God I serve isn't the God that may or may not answer my little prayers. The God of this world and Jesus who died for the sin of the world, it is for every single person. The church did that for me. Where else do you get that? Where else do you see that? Where else do you experience that? The other thing the church did for me, the church taught me to be generous because I grew up in a church where when you got a dollar, you gave a dime. And if you got a dime, you gave a penny. My entire life, and I'm telling you, I am, this may, this may be not the most, but I'm telling you up there with the top three things, I am so grateful for this because I've learned through the years as a pastor, it is very, very difficult to teach an adult very much. And it is really difficult to teach an adult to be generous. If you're not generous by adulthood, it's not, when I say generous, you know what I mean? I don't mean, oh, you know, there's a food drive and here's a can and they wanna raise money. Oh, let me see, here's $5. I don't mean that, that's not generosity. Generosity is when you decide beforehand to take a percentage of your income and you pre-decide it's going somewhere. That's generosity, it's pre-decision. We've talked about that. I, I am so great, it's so hard to teach an adult that because we just hang on thinking we're gonna, you know, and then you run out of time before you run out of money and then you mess up your kids. It, it's, it's a great system we have here in the United States. So I, I learned early on because of the church, I learned because of the church to be generous. I have never not given at least 10% of my money away every year. Not because I'm super spiritual, I'm a great guy. It's because what I, that's what I was taught. You gave a dollar out of 10 and 10 out of 100 and 100 out of 1,000 and 1,000 out of 10,000. And now I get to give, you know, 10,000s out of 100,000s. You know, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. I absolutely, it's very easy for me and Sandra to be generous because we were taught this from, from, from day one. And here's the thing, and I, I mean this, I, I wouldn't say this if it were true, plus I'm in church, okay? So look, if somebody came to me and said, Andy, we've worked it out for you to get all that money back. You've given all your life. 
But in giving it back, we extract the good it did around the world. Are you kidding? I wouldn't, that's, that's a no, that's a no. That's a, you never miss money that you give away appropriately. You never miss money that you give away responsibly. It is easy for me to give. And the reason it's easy for me to give is because the church taught me to be generous. And I watch my kids with their first jobs and their paychecks. And my son who's out and got a real job with his own deal and his own insurance. My kids are generous. I am so grateful. Hopefully they learned a little bit of that from me, but they learned it from us, from our church. They saw it modeled and they see what happens when everybody understands generosity. So here's what I've concluded as an adult. And here's what you hear us say. And here's why we do this. And here's why we're not going to stop. It's because we believe that following Jesus will make your life better and it'll make you better at life. And by the way, you get to go to heaven when you die, when you die. But even before that, following Jesus. I mean, this is the story of my life and many of you would agree. And some of you are on the edge of deciding that following Jesus will make your life better and it'll make you better at life. Now that's the personal side, but there's another whole big side of this that goes way beyond my story or even your personal story. It has to do with the next next generation. And it has to do with our nation because here's what I believe and here's what we have discovered and here's what we see going on all around the world. Strong church, strong nation. Strong church, strong nation. Strong church, strong nation. The church, and you hear me talk about this from time to time. I don't know that I explain it very well. The church provides the strongest argument for the dignity of individuals and for human rights. The church and the message of the church and the message of Jesus provides the strongest argument, the strongest apologetic in culture and in the world for the dignity of individuals that every single individual matters and human rights, that we are creations of God before we are Americans, that we are creations of God before we're Canadians, that we are creations of God before we're Brazilian. We are creations of God before we are any nationality and that every single person is made in the image of God and that every single person has intrinsic, not ascribed value. This is a big, big deal. And in societies where that's not true, you do not want to live there. And what we forget is this, this is an inherently Christian value. We think it's an American value. No, it is a Christian value that has influenced our nation and influenced the conscience of this nation. And it comes directly from the local church. A few uh, months ago, actually about a year ago, our small group, our community group, went through Philip Yancey's book uh, called Vanishing Grace. It was his newest book. I think it's still his newest book. A fabulous, fabulous book, Vanishing Grace by Philip Yancey. And in that book, he says the following. I wanna read you a quote because he says it way better than I could ever say it. Here's what he says. Moreover, those who condemn the church, those people who are anti-church, those who condemn the church for its blind spots, because you know, the, every, you know, the church has gotten it wrong from time to time. The church, whatever the church is, has done some dumb stuff. Those who condemn the church for its blind spots do so by gospel principles, arguing for the very moral values that the gospel originally set loose in the world. Here's what he's about to say. This is so powerful. He's saying that in our culture, where people say you shouldn't and you should, and that's right and that's wrong. He's about to argue that all that ought and ought not actually came from our gospel. And people have forgotten the connection between these two dots. Here's how he says it. 
Human rights, civil rights, women's rights, minority rights, gay rights, disability rights, animal rights. Next screen. The success of these modern movements, all of those, you know, all of those rights, all those rights movements reflect a widespread empathy for the oppressed. Here's what he's saying. That anytime there's a movement that says, oh, we need to defend, we need to protect, we need to defend, we need to protect. The underlying basis for those movements is people matter. Individuals matter. The individual, the the, the dignity of the individual matters. But here's the kicker, and here's what most people don't know, and many people have forgotten. That has no precedent in the ancient world. In other words, the whole idea, the whole idea that, that, that we should care about the oppressed, that we should care about the poor, that we should care about the people who are disabled, that we should care about the people in society who can't keep up. That whole notion had no precedent in ancient history and in the past and in many nations. That idea had no value in, Soviet, in the former Soviet Union. That value had no leverage in Nazi Germany. That value has currently no leverage in many countries in the Middle East now. The idea that every single individual has value, that every single individual has been created in the, in the, in the image of God is a uniquely Christian idea that was introduced to the world through Christianity. He continues, classical philosophers, ancient philosophers considered mercy and pity to be character defects. Read the ancient Greeks, read the ancient Romans, look at the Soviet, former Soviet Union. People who were, had problems, people who couldn't keep up, they were considered inferior. They were given labels and titles and they were cast away by society to be character defects, contrary to justice. Not until Jesus did that attitude change. And my friends, this is huge. This is so big. This is so important. We assume that everybody values everybody, not true. You, look up here, you were taught that. It is reinforced every single day in our culture and in our society. It is a uniquely Christian idea. You extract the influence of the church from any society and any nation and you just wait, you've lit a fuse. Again, ancient history, modern history, current history, underscores the importance of that. The local church is the only organization that keeps front and center that every single person matters. And in this way, the church shaped and continues to shape our national conscience. The church is the only group that inspires us to embrace the one mandate that could change everything. Now we're in a political season. Everybody wants to bring about change. Every time there's a political season, somebody promises change, right? Did you know the New Testament gives us the one idea that can actually bring about change? There's just one idea. There's just one idea that could instantly, within six months, our nation would feel different. Within six months, we would feel the difference. There's just one idea. And the government can't make it happen. The only thing the government can do, and I love our government. I love our country. This isn't a knock. This is the nature of government. This is what governments are supposed to do. The government can prescribe how low we can go before we go to jail. That's what the government does. 
The government just says, this is how low you go before you start losing rights. This is how low you can go before you end up in jail. This is how low you can go and how many times you can go that low before you end up in prison. That's what the government does. The government does not inspire any of us to greatness. It is not even the role of the government. The media, the media doesn't inspire us to greatness and that's okay, it's not supposed to. I'm a journalism major, I understand this. One of the first things we learned in journalism was this, nobody cares about good news. If you report every night how many planes safely landed at Hartsfield, nobody cares. We wanna know about the one that almost crashed. We wanna know about the one that almost had a mid-air collision. We wanna know about the tragedy. Nobody wants to watch a debate where everybody just gets along. No, you go, no, you go. Would you like to have some of my time? No, you can have some. We don't like that. We want, there to, we, want, we want it to be as close to a fist fight as possible for the ratings to go up. That's nobody's fault. That's just the way it is. That the media doesn't inspire us to greatness. Schools used to inspire kids to greatness, but now because of what's happened in our country, partly the fault of the church, I have to be honest. Nowadays, schools have become sort of value-free zones. We can't have any specific values because we might hurt somebody's feelings or make people uncomfortable. Wow. So here's the question, who inspires us to greatness? Who calls, who, who, who's gonna inspire us beyond the letter of the law? Who inspires us? Where do we go to be inspired? Come on, to do the one thing that could change everything, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. This is the game changer. My friends, think of it. If every single American did this for six months, everything changes. Everybody pays their taxes. The police just kind of make sure the traffic's moving. When, you know, when there's a fire, everybody shows up to help. The firemen are like, wow, look at all these volunteers. It's incredible. Y'all get out of the way, but thanks and thanks for helping. Imagine, just imagine for a minute, if every United States citizen for six months decided, you know what? We're gonna put this on hold, put this habit on hold. I know my wife's crazy, but I'm gonna put my behavior in. My husband's crazy, but you know, we're just all going to do for other people what we want other people to do for us. I'm telling you, it changes everything. Where did that come from? The Greeks, the Romans, Soviets, United States constitution? No, Jesus. This is why healthy church, healthy nation. It's why the church is the most important institution in the United States of America in spite of what anybody says. And anytime someone is critical of the church, they are generally, as Philip Yancey says, they are generally leveraging gospel principles to be critical. In other words, if the influence of the church were suddenly withdrawn from our nation and suddenly withdrawn from our nation's history, this nation would be a very, very different place and would feel so very, very different. We would be poorer for it. It's what history says, ancient history, not so ancient history, what's currently going on in some parts of the world today. So I love the local church. I absolutely love the local church. It shaped and it saved my life. And it shaped and it saved perhaps your life as well. So I say, we just keep going. And we just keep making more of them. And we try to make the ones that exist stronger and healthier. And we might as well, because first of all, every sermon needs at least one verse of scripture, okay? We might as well, because 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his guys are headed to Caesarea Philippi. We, we talk about this passage all the time and we should. 
And they're saying, and Jesus is saying to the guys, hey, what's the word on the street about me? What are people saying about me? And they're saying, well, some people think you're a reincarnated prophet. Some people think you're this, some people think you're that. And Jesus says, what do you think about me? You know, Peter makes that famous statement. Well, I think you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, Peter, you got it right. Now look up here, this is so big. And if you're not a Christian, you know, you kind of discounted the whole Bible because it's something somebody told you in college or whatever. I understand that, but let's look up here. In that moment, Jesus said something. In that moment, Jesus predicted you. In this next moment, Jesus predicts us. This is 2000 years ago. There's 12 of them. They're basically outlaws and bandits. They are losing popularity. Eventually he's gonna be arrested and crucified and they're gonna run for the hills. There are no, there are no heroes in this group. One of them's gonna betray him. And the rest are gonna take off and Peter's gonna say, I don't even know who you're talking about. Jesus, G, G, who? G, I don't know, I don't know the guy. That's who's there. And Jesus stops on his way to Caesarea Philippi and he looks at them and he says, guys, let me tell you what's gonna happen. I will build my church. I will build a gathering. I will build a collection of people who will gather around this idea, Peter, that you just said that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen to this. All over the world today, all over the world today, people are gathered in Jesus' name and there's only one thing we have in common. Not the way we dress, not the language we speak, not the Bible we read, not our theology, not how we take an offering, not how we baptize, not how we do communion. There's almost nothing that everyone who calls himself a Christian has in common except for this very one thing that Jesus predicted 2000 years ago. The thing that we have in common is that we gather around this one central idea that Jesus announced when he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not stand against it. And the thing that will draw everyone together, Peter, is what you just said, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And they haven't. And they won't. And that's why outside of your local, outside of your family, outside of your marriage, your kids and your grandkids, there is no greater investment in the world than investing in the local church. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.